0: Welcome to the Vacation Impossible podcast. This is a surprise recording. We weren't planning on doing this. It's Saturday, April 22nd, and we're here in Victoria in John's home. He's nice enough to welcome us here. And uh, so I guess we should start off by explaining why we're here and what we're doing. Mike, what, what is happening?
1: Well, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to Europe for uh, what was it, six weeks. I did uh, 18 cities in 42 days. <laughs> I don't recommend it, I'm still tired. Uh, And part of that is the hotels that I stayed at, I used hotels.com. And every 10th stay, or every 10th night, you get a free hotel stay. So while I was there, I was able to obtain two free nights. And this third night, I just, I think I had to, I had nine nights and I had to use one more. So I think I stayed at a hotel somewhere using hotels and I got a free night. So the expiry date for this free night expires at the end of May. And so, with my new job, I was not able to confirm weekends, and I just happened to get this weekend off. So, I suggested, let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere and use this free night up. So, we came to Victoria and uh,
2: using up the credit for a free hotel night. It's great. I love how this story starts in Europe. Yeah, Yeah. that was was my favorite part. Immediately a hook. And it ends in Victoria. Victoria.
0: We were originally going to. Be recording a podcast at John Con back in February for John's birthday, right here in this very room in uh, in Victoria. However, uh, there was just so much fun and so much going on. We didn't really have time. So, um, how was John Con, John? This was what your second annual. This was the second annual John Con,
2: and compared to the first one, this one was a blowout. Yeah. I've never had so many people in this space before, and honestly, I was anticipating like last year where. You know, uh, basically, we run John Con. You know, uh, day and night. And I was expecting, you know, a half dozen people, maybe ten people at most, uh, show up and play some games, kind of during the day and during the evening. And people come and people go. I did not expect like what twenty people to be jammed in here, um, yeah, running. You know, trying to run two games on on a uh, on a table that's big enough to handle two smaller games. Uh, yeah, I think it was a a great success. Um, everybody that came had a blast. Uh, all kinds of fun stories uh, came out of that. Uh, we still laugh at, at one of our, my coworkers at work uh, for the crazy antics he got up to in, in one of our games called The Resistance. Um, had a fun. <laughs> yeah, fun. The lesson I learned from this one, I think, is that I need a bigger venue. Um, so next year, John Con is going to be at a different venue that's larger with multiple tables. Um, and my friend Natalie kindly offered her community room that she has in her condo uh, for that. So very excited for next year's John Con. It's like only ten more months to go,
0: <laughs> and All I right. hope to
2: be there. Counting the days. I should I should
0: book some time off now. Yes, <laughs> uh, book time much, off now. You know, do that. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, because also I guess uh, you had people coming in from out of town. Did you have that so much in the first year? Not in the first year. No, uh,
2: in the first year, just kind of local people. But yeah, this mm. year people came from out of town, and um, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. Time. You guys were the people that came out of from out of town. Yeah. Was it just maybe. us? Uh, no, I don't think it was.
0: I no. think there were other people that came brought it down, too. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we were the only ones. So it was yeah. a lot of fun, though. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, to next year. So, um, anyways, it's nice being back in Victoria. Uh, so, Mike, how are you enjoying this trip uh, so far that we're on?
1: So far, so good. I uh, haven't really explored Victoria as much as I would like to, but uh, it's good to be back. And especially, I lived in Toronto for over 10 years. So it's good to be back in BC. <laughs>
3: Sure.
2: Definitely. Well, the house smells fresh.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> no, yes. And people don't want yeah. to kill you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <not> as much. <laughs> so um, one thing that we really enjoy here in Victoria is the, uh, the restaurant called Spoons, where they serve breakfast and lunch. Mm. And uh, we think it's absolutely fantastic. And before we had the chance to taste it, we heard uh, a bit of a story about sort of uh, 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 Josh- a friend of ours, association with uh, Spoons. I was wondering, John, could you maybe tell people, why is is Spoons special to us for more than just the tasty, tasty food? Absolutely. Uh, So Spoons has been a a favorite of um,
2: mine and Josh's for a while now. Josh is in the Navy, and he had gone away to sea on deployment and was coming back eight or nine months later, and he emailed Spoons and said, hey, listen, I'm coming off to deployment. Uh, When I get in, um, I just I really want the oreo pancakes the oreo pancakes are delicious and they're my favorite and i was wondering if you could put them on special that week so not only did they put them on special they renamed them josh's oreo pancakes wow
0: (laughs) and sure enough the uh we had them as soon as we got in so as soon as he got
2: in i should say yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah and so we i mean and on top of that the you know it's a great venue great service. It's sort of eclectic, but it's fantastic. It's reasonably priced, so anytime we're in Victoria, we make sure we have breakfast there. Tomorrow morning, we are having breakfast at Spoons. We Mm -hmm. highly recommend
3: it. Yeah, definitely seems to be a regional favorite, for
0: sure. So, it's it's interesting. I wanted John to tell that story, because when I retell stories that John has told me, (laughs) the story tends to morph. (laughs) Uh, So, there was this one story where uh, the way I told the story was, Uh, John took a friend to uh, Vancouver, to downtown Vancouver, where one of the world's largest Chinatowns is. And uh, my understanding of the story was that this person wanted to buy one of those gold cats for good luck with the paw up against the head. A yeah, lucky cat. A, a luck cat. So my version of the story is this, and then we can maybe compare to what actually <laughs> happened. Because I retold the story for a good five, six, seven years after it happened, and every time you, you you gauge your audience, you see what works, what doesn't, what's boring people, what's not, you cut that out, you punch it up, and so it totally evolved. So my version of the story is this. John brought a friend to Chinatown in Vancouver, And so he went into a store, wanted a luck cat. And when he started to talk to the salesperson there, they didn't speak any English. So eventually, he just kind of had to make the the gesture of the cat. And they were like, oh, no, no, no. And then they went to the next store, and he ran into the same problem again. So he makes the gesture, and they point to the cat, and they say, oh, you know, it's it's 25 bucks or whatever. And he says, oh, that's way too expensive. Goes to the next place, and after two places in a row of them not speaking enough English to understand him, he doesn't even try talking to them. He just walks up to the front and goes, hmm
3: and that's you know, with the paw
0: next to his head for those of you listening on uh, on Podbean or whatever and, so, uh, and then the salesperson turns to John and says, what's wrong with your friend? <laughs> what's the original version of that story? I don't even the remember. The original version was that he went into Chinatown
2: looking for a mogwai <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know Mogwai was the cur- cute little furry gizmo creature from the Gremlins franchise yeah. of movies before uh, it becomes the Gremlin before it becomes the Gremlin yeah, um, or spawns the Gremlins right um, so he goes into stores looking for a Mogwai and uh, and uh, the first story he went into he's like you guys got a Mogwai and they're like no and he sees all these lucky cats and there was like a whole crap ton of lucky cats and I'm like all I see is this stupid cat and they're like yeah lucky cat so he goes, I guess we're looking for Lucky Cat now. And that's where the, you know, these ones are too expensive came into it. The ones there were too expensive. So he went to store to store doing, you know, Lucky Cat, Lucky Cat. And nobody spoke English. Uh, but he finally found one, and they did ask him, like, what's wrong with your friend? I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> um, but then he goes to hand the guy his debit card to pay for it. And the guy looks at it and says, debit? And he goes,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Like it was a foreign object. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess debit was the universal term because, you know, the changing of hands of money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So um, one of the things that uh, we did at John Con was a lot of tabletop gaming. Um, and I'm just curious uh, what everyone's favorite tabletop game is.
3: Oh goodness. Um, I like I like Ticket to Ride. That's always a nice favorite. I play that one a lot.
0: She's memorized the roots. I have not because I need other things to be in my brain. <laughs> <than> a Memorization <laughs> of all the roots and Ticket to Ride.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's one. Of, uh, I really like also Alhambra. Um, that's a game that I always lose. So there's that. Um, the
0: rule but, is if there's an economy in the game, Ray wins.
3: <laughs> and that's Money management
0: much, skills. <laughs> that's
3: basically it. Um... I don't know, it's not, I mean, it's not really a tabletop game, but Cards Against Humanity is always a crowd favorite, uh, you know, Cards, that are apples to apples, again, crowd favorite, um, but yeah, I think, I think really Ticket to Ride is probably my favorite, really.
0: For me, I think that it's, um, I really like Pandemic for its replayability because uh, when you set up the board, where the trouble spots are uh, and the jobs everyone has is randomized. So every game is totally different from every other game. And so for me, that gets back to like, uh, I used to play this game, a PC game from 1999 called Star Trek Birth of the Federation. And it's a a civilization type game. It's known as a 4X turn-based game. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun but every time you load it up it randomly generates the galaxy and puts different people in different places and different strengths all over and so every time you play is completely different and it almost becomes like an addiction uh, like right now I'm thinking I could be playing this right now why am I not playing it and you can't see it physically but on my insides I'm twitching a little bit because I'm not but I'm getting better uh, and I have replaced it with pandemic which is a very similar sort of super high replayability uh, in that sort of of the game so i think pandemic probably gets it for me all
2: right uh first i'm gonna i'm gonna start off by uh sorry Mindy, slamming one one of your games that you just mentioned there cards against humanity absolutely fantastic party game for people that don't really play games no
3: yeah no absolutely um, yeah. if yeah. you're um, don't, don't if you're if
2: you're a gamer man that game gets old and it gets old fast i mean it's funny but do you play it three or four times and it you've you've just kind of had enough Uh, which is where I'm kind of at with it. Uh, If you should mention Pandemic, because my favorite tabletop game right now is Pandemic Legacy, uh, which takes the Pandemic structure, uh, puts it to a story, and then kind of spans it out over a a 12-month period. Not 12... Real month 12 game months, mm-hmm. um, which is could be 12 or 24 sessions, depending on, on how you do it now. Um, and kind of d- picking, picking your favorite games hard, because yeah. like Pandemic Legacy is a fantastic game. It's a cooperative game. I'm more of a fan of cooperative games,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but it's one that has a finite beginning and an end. Um, for a game that you can play over and over again, uh, probably Arkham Horror is uh, is my current favorite.
0: And Mike, your favorite tabletop
1: I've, game? Uh, well, uh being back in BC now, being at your uh, uh, game nights, uh, I really fell in love with Ticket to Ride. But I think my ultimate favorite game, my board, or my tabletop game, is Risk. Yeah, uh, go with the classic. classic yeah. I like the uh, strategy for it. You know, which also game...
2: ha- also has a Legacy version. It does. Oh, yeah. It was the first. It was yeah. the first of the Legacy games. Yeah, it's
1: it's great. I I, I like it. It's strategy. It's every every game's different, and uh, it really makes you think.
3: See, I made the mistake of trying to play that when I was 10,
1: Yeah.
3: and no 10-year-old, no normal 10 year old's going to mm-hmm. understand that no. game and maybe appreciate no. it. So I, I tried it no. once, and so I'm like, this game is not for me, and I've yep. never even considered trying it again. <laughs> I just, you know, because I guess it has a bit of like an RPG kind of aspect to it, and I just, um, at least kind of, that's kind of the memory I have, of the recollection I have of it. Of and, Yeah. And, and I don't, like I said, 10-year-old memory, so... Oh, yeah, that's what that's factoring in. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and so, and I mean, and as much as I appreciate RPGs at like, as, like, video games and whatnot, like, you know, Final Fantasies and all that sort of stuff, I don't like playing them, because I just don't have... I think that takes a very specific mindset and, and, and a skill set that I just don't have. I can appreciate those that have that skill set that can do well at those games, but for me, I'm just like, I'll just watch and, and appreciate, you know, the artistry and, and the intelligence and the intellect that's required to play a game successfully like that. Um, Risk, I mean, for me, Risk is like mental level game, gaming for me. It just seems it seems so complex. But again, 10-year-old person memory, so maybe I'm wrong. But the, to me, it just seems like there's just the, the level of complexities is just a bit too much for me to kind of get into it and really appreciate it. Especially because it's one of those games that if you, you know, some games can last months. Yeah. And I'm so not there for that. Yeah. And I'm just not, I'm, not, unless, I'm yeah. unless I'm playing like, you know, Dungeons or something like that, like that's a game you, a campaign, it's a campaign. You expect that to last a really long time. But, like a board game, it's, I think I remember where everything's set up, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not here for that. That's funny.
2: I think Risk is actually a game that you'd really be good at. Oh, yeah. I got oh, yeah. a question. Uh, the, the whole uh, production management, money management thing, mm-hmm. that is like straight up your alley. It's yeah. very different to the ta- of Federation. The yeah. tactical yeah. strategy of it, yeah, maybe a little less um, for you, uh, but
0: the management mm-hmm. of, of in production. Yeah. Well, that is, oh, no, that no is already all the time. 100%. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I played it a little bit as a kid, and I think that I, I ran into a, a different issue where I think I thought I saw the potential, but I couldn't find other people who were interested in playing it. Everyone wanted to play bloody Monopoly all the damn time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, uh, some uh, computer scientists have recently done a modeling, although maybe not that recently, I think it was a little while ago. They did some modeling on Monopoly, and statistically, 20% of all Monopoly games will never end. It's just it gets into a homeostasis where no one gets enough of an advantage or disadvantage that they're kicked out or declared the winner, and so like it would just go on forever. You know it what? would. It's one out of five games. is not taking that risk that there'll be no winner. I absolutely believe that study. I think
2: those games are the ones that people are playing it wrong. I'm not a fan of Monopoly at all. I am a big disliker of Monopoly, but lately I've been reading articles on how to. Uh, like Monopoly, it's not that bad, um, and I've been reading articles about how they do it. And you, you gotta realize to win the game, like you got one play, you gotta play by the rules. Yeah, yeah And absolutely. nobody plays by the rules, no. right? So if you play strictly by the rules, then yeah, there's uh, then that that's one aspect of it. Uh, and two, the other aspect is the house and hotel economy,
3: mm-hmm.
2: because the what people don't realize is that hotels are stupid. Yeah, hotels are the worst things you can buy. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes, yeah. because you put a run on the houses. Right, there's only so many houses in the game. Right, and then so, you lock
0: other people out of the housing market, and you lock them out of the hotel market because you need four houses <laughs> to, to make get a the hotel. hotel. Yeah. So, so now, you're a jerk, and you block your friends, but it's an effective strategy. Exactly, and if it keeps it from being a game that never ends, I'm all for it. I don't care if I'm the victim. And that's <laughs> that what happens. <laughs> so if you want your
2: ho- if you want Monopoly game to end, don't buy hotels, no. just buy houses. Oh, make sure your strategy. friends can't buy houses Yeah. I, I,
3: don't, I don't hate Monopoly I get why people don't like Monopoly um, That's but boring. I, I, I <laughs> it, yeah and it can get tedious for sure but I, I think it's kind of a fun easy game certainly not an infection vector game like Tick to Ride is for instance and, mm. and, and Pandemic but uh, I, yeah, I, I, gateway I, games yeah exactly I, but I don't like, free. I, I like, I like yeah. the classic games sometimes too like Sorry is always fun I think I don't think how Sorry like, has
0: a definitive winner every time I, you mm-hmm. know, I don't
3: think you can get too old ever really to play Sorry and enjoy I agree it with that. um, That's true. And, and even like Game of Life I think is has a lot of fun and and like those like the real like the classic board games i think those those are fun and those and like when people think like board games like people who aren't into tabletopping they're probably going to think like yeah. hasbro right yeah those classic hasbro and mattel games they're I, I i have a lot of appreciation for them i'm but i'm i understand that i'm in the minority with the liking of monopoly at, well, least, I, at least on this table i, I don't, yeah. don't think i
2: don't think you're in in the minority uh with a monopoly yeah uh but like in those old classic Hasbro games are classics for a reason yeah, I mean, like yeah, anybody can ones. sit down and play a half a dozen
0: games of Connect 4 yeah. no problem yeah. and it's super fun exactly um, we did that on the channel once exactly. uh, Burton and I on the cruise ship that was one of the uh, I, I remember that tabletop I just episodes. bought battleship
3: I just bought a travel battleship yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> and that is equally fun what about Clue oh Clue's great yeah. uh, you know it's funny I, I've only played Clue a half like a half dozen times oh, in my life okay. mostly when I was a little kid but yeah. more recently the one time I played it recently I was in my mid-20s okay and uh, you know the whole the whole thing is you go into a room you make a guess at what the thing is and somebody yeah. has to show a card to disprove it yeah, yeah. I made a guess that was it. Game over, you won? Game
0: over, I won.
3: Oh, no wow. First
2: turn,
0: done. Oh, it's Thinking back to those old games, I think one thing that they really had going for them is they knew they were targeting children probably around 10 years of age or whatever, and so they've got these vibrant, bright colors, mm-hmm. yeah. and so they, 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 it creates a visual memory that I think is really compelling, and so the nostalgia brings you back. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the the crack infection vector that Monopoly uses, is it's got these cool little pewter pieces, I like can be the race car, the thimble, or you, are you fight about it and punch your brother i didn't because my brother and i never played but you know whatever uh and then you got these cards and buying property it's relatively easy to understand and it seems fun at the outset and then like a venus fly trap (laughs) you're like oh this looks pretty Ah!" and there goes your day (laughs) i should
2: say though like i mentioned my my favorite games there are so many good games out there that uh, for me to pick a favorite was a little tough Uh, i could think of easily a dozen games i have in my closet now that i could consider favorites as well
3: well and there's also so many different categories of games too like there's mm-hmm. um and 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 also just like for nostalgic purposes and just replayability and all that like we, um, my family growing up, we played this German game. Uh, it was a Ravensburger game, I think, it was Heimlich Um And and I love that game. That absolutely. doesn't sound like a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds, I well, think I you mean, might have just made up a fake German word. It, <laughs> and and. Far from
2: too I play that every day. It sounded
0: like, <laughs> like with and Co, like and company. Yeah. So like. Well,
3: and it's and it was, it's, it's like the spy game, but it's like a board game. You just kind of move around the board and stuff like that. And and we actually replayed it again recently with my mom and I. I think sometime last year uh with a couple people and, and we had a lot of fun i mean and and it's kind of it's kind of like you have to guess who the spy is and who's what color spy and you move you around and all that sort of stuff And i think actually honestly you probably really like it it's a very very simple game i can game. get a translation I, I, I like the game yeah and well my mom's there um my mom's fluent in german because she's german, <laughs> i've so. got this secret card can you translate that for me but <laughs> exactly. forget what it said well there's, there's, no, there's no there's no verbiage actually on the card so that's good hmm. but but I, I really like games though that have a really really simple game mechanics i think if, if the game mechanics get too complicated and too convoluted it's just and you have to spend as much time explaining the game as you do playing the game like that I'm, I'm not I don't like those kind of games where, where, or where it takes as much time if not more to set it up yeah. than it does to play then I just it kind of it loses its. I, I lose yeah. my excitement because initially I'm like yeah let's play this game let's try this new game and it's like oh we're still talking about the rules oh oh there's more rules oh and then like halfway through the game you're like Oh, these are rules that I didn't know beforehand that are totally screwing me now because I didn't know that. Like that, yeah. that annoys me. Yeah. Yeah. See,
2: I love games like that. I love games with a high complexity. I love games that takes me forever to set up, but it just is super complex and there's so many ways to win or lose. Uh, I love it. I like a rule book that's a book.
0: Ray here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening. Unfortunately, during the recording of this podcast episode, our primary microphone suffered a technical difficulty. So at this point in the podcast, we switched to our backup microphone. So please excuse the sound quality. At the end of the podcast, the primary microphone does come back, so the sound quality will improve towards the end. And uh, thank you for understanding, and uh, enjoy listening to the rest of this Vacation Impossible podcast. Gloom I, I struggle with, because I enjoy storytelling, but I see storytelling and gaming as two different things, and so storytelling as a method of winning, I don't know. I mean, I like to think of good ads, so I think I would have a competitive advantage, but it, it's not my thing. I think that uh, one of the types of games I like and I think Ticket to Ride and Pandemic will fall into this category is it's quick to learn but you'll play it for years and you'll come up like you'll realize there's depth to different strategies you can try yeah. so the complexity comes in your deepening understanding as you play the game more not this high barrier to entry we've got this insane learning curve about everything and then you get to go that I find uh, is a lot harder but it's interesting uh, John what you were saying about uh, Cards Against Humanity because I know you were a uh, Kickstarter supporter for The Contender yeah. and we had we had played that a couple of times, and that has, I think, a storytelling slash uh, sort of cards against humanity type dynamic. It so, does. do you do you find the same fatigue setting in, it, or do people just not play that enough for that to happen? I, I I think people haven't played enough for it to happen. I've only done it twice. It oh. does have a very cards against cards cards.
2: humanity um, kind of um, mechanic to it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's all political stuff, and I really I'm a big political junkie. So kind of feeds into that. It's not just me being a bad person. It's yeah. me acting as somebody else being a bad person. Uh, getting to your point on Gloom, um, I think that uh, I think you're half right and half wrong. Uh, because I think that the, there is strategy and mechanics, and it all relates to the cards you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I think the storytelling aspect of it, you could do away with entirely. Yeah. And you could just play it with the cards in your hand. I don't think it would be as fun. No.
3: Because, or as funny.
2: Or as yeah. funny. Telling the, the story as you go, but what's happening is poor Family, you're controlling. Yeah, um, that adds the funny, fun aspect to it. Uh, and if you're just playing cards, but you could just play cards and play strategy like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think that the storytelling aspect. I think it's a barrier for you.
0: Maybe because it's, too, it's two different parts thing. of my brain. Mm-hmm. It feels weird to use them uh, at the same time. The creative and the strategic. For me, I mean, sometimes you have to be creative in your strategy. But really, like if I'm if I'm crafting a story, I'm thinking. I want it concise, I want a beginning, middle and end, a story in three acts, I want to make people laugh, I might want to engage them emotionally. When I'm playing a strategic game, I just want to murder the competition any way possible. (laughs) (laughs) And I admit sometimes that can be an overwhelming push, desire, motivation, where sometimes I'll like I'll be playing Ticket to Ride and I'll be pretending that I'm getting screwed everywhere. And, you! And I'm not. <laughs> wow. You! And, okay. and it just distracts the hell out of them. And oh. it, I, I don't do it, I try not to do it too much and sometimes I, fall, I find myself falling into it because I know it's effective and it's going to work. Oh. And I'm like, but you I'm, I'm winning. I don't, you. I don't you know even You yeah. How have
2: you not picked up on I, that yet? I don't know. Like, do do I swear I've told you about this before. You do you remember not. the one time <laughs> we played Resistance at, at your place? Yeah. And there was a bunch of people around the table. Yeah. And it was uh, my turn. And I looked at two of like, you're a spy. You're a spy. <laughs> and it's the psychic sure link. They, they, they were, were spies for sure. Because like, just the way Minnie was not looking at some things. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm And just I, the face Ray had. Trying to be straight faced. I know that face. Yeah, know that. <laughs> that's the face of I'm lying. Bluffing
3: games, I'm, shocked. I'm not good no. at bluffing games, and that's why I don't like resistance. Because I'm like I'm, I'm I'm just no. I'm like, it's, like it's fun no. to watch, but I'm not. I I found
2: at John Con that yeah. resistance is way more fun with alcohol. Oh yes. Okay. Oh 100%. This, the one hundred percent. One story that we still laugh about is um, <laughs> Alan, <laughs> who. Had trouble trusting anybody yeah.
3: at the table,
2: and he got himself—he he had had—he had had a few drinks, and he got himself so worked up yeah. that he didn't even know which way was up and down. It oh, was so good, you know, And we—and the—and the spies won at the end, and I was
3: one of those dudes. I had yeah, way more fun, fun watching that game happen than playing it. Than when we played it like, <laughs> you like spent a infinitely good more fun. Ten minutes just freaking out about one thing. Oh, <laughs> it was it was it was i just sad no. I never made it that. No. Well, I never made it. Well, there was that one girl yeah. who was just like, I'm a spy. No, I'm not a spy, but I am a spy. Oh, and everyone was like, What?
2: <laughs> Lance, my, uh, Lance's girlfriend. She was brilliant. Like, I don't even know why she said she was a spy because she wasn't. She oh, <laughs> I think she was just screwing with do? Alan.
3: <laughs> and brilliant.
2: I think that's what got us the win.
3: Oh, man. Yeah, at one point he was convinced everyone but him was a spy. Yeah. Like, Like, there there are four spies in this game, but I'm the only one that's (laughs) not Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah good times one, one game that I find is like if you're playing with someone that you know very well it's problematic If it's a bluffing mm-hmm. game yeah. uh, or if it's anything that requires that kind of secret keeping so like I'll, I'll have fun and I'll, I'll come up with like an acting sort of approach to take but like if I'm playing Citadels I think that one-on-one Citadels is a very hard game to do um, I don't think it's supposed to be one-on-one there is a, there is a way you playing. can you're oh. basically playing as two people simultaneously is oh okay for... so you do multi-hand yeah, yeah that's basically how that gotcha. but uh, because I have access so to far, half far. of all the information available, uh, when I was playing with Mindy, I could basically read her mind, yeah, and I, I so could always know, like, I could even tell when she was gearing up to double bluff me, her posture would change, and I would yeah. read that, and I'm like, okay, this is the double bluff, so what she's saying is real, and she didn't, she didn't win a single bluff game. Now? All right. <laughs> Get ready. It was sort of a it's tell. C- it's coming. This is, this is Tabletop Confessions podcast is becoming, oh, uh, but like, if I were to play against you in that manner, I wouldn't stand oh, a yeah. chance because no, you'd read better. me, and sure. it would be game over because of the Psychic link. So, um, but moving on from tabletop games, uh, Mindy gave me a great segue that I didn't jump on which she was talking about Final Fantasy and RPGs. Is uh, uh, we did have a, a retro gaming uh, component to John Con this year, and so I wanted to ask right. everyone uh, what their favorite retro uh, video game is. And Mindy earlier had mentioned Final Fantasy and RPGs. Uh, one thing I think that makes an RPG is that you you have a way of gaining experience that levels up your character. So if you're struggling over here, you can go play over there for a while and improve your character and then come back. I really like that aspect of it because if you're playing Mario and there is a level that you just can't get past, in a lot of the older games, Mario might not be the best example. Maybe a Call of Duty or something like that where it's very linear and there's just one thing you're struggling with, you're at a roadblock, you're at a brick wall, and you can't get past that, you know, unless you go, I don't know, look stuff up online, or you just keep playing it until you finally get past it, which is maybe the right Nintendo hard solution, but as a fully-formed adult with a day job, it's hard to invest (laughs) that much time in such a small increment of progress. So, my favorite retro gaming um, uh, game would be Final Fantasy uh, in North America, it's known as 2. In Japan, I believe it's 4. That's the one with Cecil, Rosa, Kane, Rydia, those characters. Um, that is, I think, yeah, I could... Every time they re-release that, I'd be happy to play it on a new platform, play it on my phone. I don't care. Uh, it's a great story, great mechanics, uh, and, uh, yeah, I think it's just the pinnacle of, uh, of gaming, personally. So, Favorite retro oh, game? Mario 3.
3: With like yeah, without question, it's Mario Three. I can play that game over and over and over again. I do play that game over and over and over again. And and uh, another one, a very close second, is Street Fighter Two. Um, I love playing Street Fighter. Um, my husband gets me, and I get me a lot of Street Fighter games in mm-hmm. all these different platforms and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and those those two are easily my favorite my favorite games.
0: And you whoop me in Street Fighter, like yeah, that makes up for the Ticket to Ride <laughs> or the uh, or the uh, uh, the um, Citadel's games. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I don't stand a chance. If I land one punch, I'm like, I made it. <laughs> I have a lot of fond dead. memories of.
3: of, of <laughs> Bending, dropping many, many, many quarters into the arcade, uh, playing Street Fighter Two, and not being good at it, not caring, because I just had so much fun playing and just button smashing and all that sort of stuff, and playing all the different. I did, like, I mean, obviously, like Ryu is my favorite. And everyone likes Ryu or Ryu, whoever you want to call him, um, and, and I played him a lot. But I mean, for a while, I was like, I was playing for a, a solid year. Like, that was the only character I played because um, he was just awesome, and his special moves was awesome, and um, so I, I, I really dig. And but and I but I like the the non violence and the, just the fun, key you know uh, of, of Mario 3, um, and 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 in Mario 3 is where they introduce a whole bunch of new stuff, and it just does, it's new and it's different. And and you know I, I was visiting my uh, my godmom in Bancroft um, when I was nine, I think, when I first played the game, and that was just something super new and exciting for me. It was this whole new game, and uh, so. I've Lots of for me it's everything a lot of my favorites are because of memory association and so you know fond memories. Well, you speak. know that
2: Mario three was supposed to be
3: designed as a um,
2: a theater production
3: game. Oh yeah, oh. like the, the whole game. Strong.
2: The whole game. Oh yeah, the curtain up is, yeah. is 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 supposed to be a play that they're putting on.
0: Ah, oh.
3: oh. I had no idea.
2: That's why the that. curtain uh, goes up at the beginning. I always wondered. There's credits uh. for. So it's almost way. like it's
0: not real, like it didn't happen. Exactly. Uh. Right after Mario two, that was a dream really? <laughs> wow. Ballsy Nintendo. Ballsy. You want, what is it, what is it, Dallas or Dynasty, where they had a whole year that was a dream, that you wanted yeah. to pull that noise? Yeah. And wow. funny thing wow. about Mario 2 is that Super Mario 2, that wasn't supposed
2: to be a Super Mario game. No, no it was Doki Doki Panic in Japan. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they just changed
0: out the sprites for the characters. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, yeah, it was no. a game on the Famicom. Which, um, if we're talking about favorite retro games.
2: Nice segue. Uh, Super Mario 2 is, is probably one of mine. That was, I love that game. I think that was the first Nintendo game I bought with my own money. Because yeah. uh, wow. that was back in the, you know, the mid-80s when yeah. I was you know, well, in, si- in single digits for age. Right. Uh, and I So I played the crap out of that game. Uh, and the other one I played the crap out of was Tetris. I love Tetris. Yes, Tetris. Mm-hmm. I cannot get enough Tetris. Yeah. Tetris that's a game you can good. sit down you can play any time yeah. for an hour and then just walk away and you're fine. Yeah. And yeah. you have
0: and you have substantial Tetris skills. Yeah. I've seen them the oh, you uh, Would you have any interest in seeing a Tetris championship? Because we've had the opportunity twice now at Portland Retro Gaming Expo to see the world's best at yeah, Tetris. Was, that's it's awesome. actually oh, just,
3: really exciting. I like yeah. it. know I,
0: I saw. It, I saw it online. I was thinking about entering it.
3: That'd be yeah. fun. So we should. Got, we should to, do practice, that.
2: So.
0: We should do that one year for Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Make a make a road trip. Uh, pilgrimage, I think. Um, Just before we get to you, Mike, we will. (laughs) Uh, Just on the Mario 3 thing, I learned something really interesting uh, about Mario 3 just the other day, is that Mario was the first Mario game that you could at any time go either up or forward, because in the previous games, you could only go up or forward at any given time. And so this was a technological marvel at the time, because, uh, like, let's say uh, in Mario 1, you're, you're just going scrolling left to right. Uh, And then in Mario 2 You're scrolling left to right But sometimes you have Those levels where you're Digging or you're going Up a platform or you're Falling down a platform At the beginning of the game But it's linear One screen up and down Or one screen left to right This was making it The first time you could Go up and forward Uh, Yeah And so when you play it You might notice there Was a flickering set of Pixels on the far right Hand side That's because of some Of the limitations of the System and it was one Of the first times That technologically the NES had ever done that Where you had uh, Basically you had to Load four screens into memory, and there's limitations of the memory, so the stuff on the far right saved, used the same memory blocks as the stuff on the far left for coloring. So the flickering on the right was it, was it slowly ditching the color from the left and loading the new color. So if you had a green thing on the left, but it was supposed to be white on the right, those last few pixels would be green because it's sharing the same memory. And so it was the first time they had ever designed something that could, where you had the, the uh, raccoon suit, you would run and then fly up and you go diagonally across these screens. It it was a huge technological thing that they had to overcome just to make that work. I found that fascinating. Wow, that is interesting. So it was it was was groundbreaking in more ways than you know. Technologically, it was groundbreaking. Anyways, uh, Mike, your favorite retro game? So well, uh, there are a lot. I know I
1: played
2: the regular ones, Mario, and all that. But I've recently gotten into Fallout. Fallout Three. I'm familiar with it. I haven't played it. Yeah. I don't know. That's a crime and a travesty.
0: Yeah. Oh, you think that's through. a crime and a travesty? Oh, yeah. I have a copy of one of the games. I think it's three. Uh, that's signed by the developers. And I've never even opened it. I was a moderator oh. on the Bethesda mes- uh, message board. Yeah. For Star Trek. But at the same time that game was coming out. They sent me Star Trek Legacy signed by William Shatner. That oh. sucker I have. And I know where that is. Don't I know open that. that. Is. Don't open that. And then this other one. I've never even looked at the other one. I keep saying one day I'll get around to it. Well, the. Uh, uh, I believe there's
1: two of them. There's Fallout 3 and then there's Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, and, I'm and presumably a one wanted the two prior to that. And there's Fallout 4. And then... Oh, is yeah, well, Fallout 4 is only for PS4, that's, though. That's the new one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I I like it. it it's, um... It kind of creeps me out. You know? Yeah. Because he's down in a vault and then he has to make his way out onto this apocalyptic world and he has to do these missions and find these people and you're battling demons and... It, it, the music, the, the theme, it... it, it made me uncomfortable. I had to keep all the lights on and (laughs) open the windows or the blinds and the creepo factor is really
0: good. I remember yeah. the first time I was playing like Doom and Hexen and Duke Nukem three D yeah. and I would have the headphones on that provided yeah. a, a false three D sound effect. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like creeping along <laughs> at like two in the morning and I'd hear something behind me and freak out, whip around, try to shoot it, whatever, and yeah. often, you know, not succeed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that that really adds to the depth of the experience. It does, that sticks yeah. with you. You remember it, it, that. Oh,
1: it does Absolutely. That, and I've played the game, I think, okay, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get uncomfortable, I'm not gonna get scared, I'm not gonna Every single time I've just I I gotta yep. stop. I can't, I gotta stop. And the and the graphics for these creatures it's, it's, uh,
0: no. So how about uh, modern games? Uh, any modern games? What was the last game that you really enjoyed? Maybe it's been a good way of putting it video game wise. I'll let you think on yeah, that. mine. Gonna, yeah, I that one. I've been playing Hyrule Warriors like mad for the Wii U. Uh, it was funny. I was at a Best Buy and it, they had it in a demo unit and uh, Julian was with me and he was like, oh, can I try it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm looking at, you know, Amiibos or something. Uh, and then I kinda walk over and I watched him play for about like 90 seconds, maybe more like 30, and I just saw him like slashing things and then seeing 20 enemies go flying and I'm like, yeah, okay, you can get that game, pick it up, just find the box, let's go. <laughs> and I, you know, start. I slowly got sucked into it, I played a little bit here and there, and now it's like, I've got free time, am I gonna edit... Video for the YouTube channel, or am I going to play Hyrule Warriors? And it is an agonizing choice every single time. So uh, that's probably my pick for for my current uh, modern game. John, you've been spending a lot of time with Final well, Fantasy 15, is yeah, that? Yeah, and that's super one of my favorites. I love it. It's uh, way better than the previous previous
2: one, which was 13. Uh, it was the last one. 14 is the online game. Oh, okay. I was going to say um, number so 13 eight. was the last iteration, and it's very linear. And this uh, did away with that linearness entirely. Very open world. I mean, you're locked into a small area to start, and then you unlock the next area, and it becomes bigger, and you unlock another area, it becomes bigger. Uh, but the game is incredible. I just finished the main storyline today, so, like, I finished the game. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm a completionist, so it's never
0: done unless I have everything. Um... Hyrule Warriors would eat up your life. (laughs) There's so much stuff there, It it is insane. I don't know that I'll ever complete it completely. So, right now, this year, that's so far my favorite game. Um, if I go back a little bit,
2: um... I want to mention South Park the Stick of Truth uh, because if you, if you watch South Park at all and you like RPGs, because it's an RPG, uh, which surprised me. Cause so I so you like level you,
0: up canon and everybody's... Yes,
2: and it Kyle is
0: Stan?
2: Uh, not for Ken. kids. Don't have kids around when nope. you do it. Uh, there's just blatant racism and fart jokes and crap. And <laughs> it's It's hilarious and it was super fun to play. Um, so I definitely recommend that, and uh, Skyrim is always a... Skyrim, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that yeah, game was I've, incredible. I've heard of Skyrim. Was... I, I made a whole new computer so I could play Skyrim with better graphics. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, well thinking about this... It was, too, it was time anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I needed an upgrade. Project, it, gave it, it gave me the excuse. It gave me the excuse, yeah. And let me tell you, playing that game with low graphics and then playing it with um, uh, better graphics, and now with the uh, recent edition that came out with uh, increasing the graphics and even more, whew, man, does it look pretty.
0: It's like a whole different game when you play it in high res. Well, it's interesting you mentioning Stick of Truth because my favorite novelist, who largely writes Star Trek novels but also does some uh, comic books, uh, Peter David, uh, he went on at length about how much he loved that game, and I was like, I was not expecting someone like that to mm-hmm. be into that, and that for me was a huge endorsement. Then hearing from you yeah. with more specific uh, specificity, I'm like, wow, that does actually sound. Every time I see it on the shelf at, at EB Games or at, you know, like, used for PS3, or whatever, I'm like, mm, maybe. <laughs> uh, one day,
2: now, and one I've day. also only talked about RPGs. Uh, there've been a number of other games that I've played that have been really good. Um, You've you me interested to... in Broforce. <laughs> I want to buy a PS4 just for Broforce, which uh, is silly. Super fun <laughs> side-scrolling. I mean, that's one. That's another one you can pick up and just play through anytime. Um, it's kind of like a Shovel Knight type yeah. graphics. But you in, mentioned Birth like, of the Federation. Yeah, uh, and still want to play. Which that. is a civilization-like game. Mm-hmm. Civilization Five that's a civilization game. <laughs> really? uh, and that's another one you can play over and over again. You can randomize the world, make it as large or as small as you want, play for as long as you want. But that's that's another game where you're up till 3 in the morning and be like, ah, just one more turn. Yeah,
0: I could do just <laughs> one more uh, turn. I've done it for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, your your favorite modern uh, game or maybe the last game that you that The you last game really I played was Fallout 3. Oh, okay. I, I've, I haven't Bridging played in a while. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, uh, you've had a lot
0: going on moving uh, from... I,
1: yeah, I've had a lot going on. I, I work a lot of hours, but I've also been reintroduced to Netflix. So I'm constantly <laughs> Time in front of the TV cold. screen or the computer screen just watching Netflix. And I also bought the uh, uh, complete season to 24. Complete nine seasons to 24. I'm on season two. Such so a good show. It's yeah, a good you, season. Yeah. Can't recommend oh, yeah. it enough. Yeah.
0: So if you haven't seen 24 with Kiefer Sutherland... Highly recommend it, and the new show is pretty decent too. Legacy, we're several episodes behind, yeah. but we watched the first four or five episodes, and it's it's good. Versus other thing currently, other things currently on television, I think it stacks up well. Versus if you if you compare it to the older Twenty Four, it will never measure up. No. Uh, no, but it you know it's a lot of things about Twenty Four that you enjoy, uh, and it's funny. So many times I've watched so much Twenty Four, I love it so much that I'll be watching like a movie or something else, and I'll be like well, hold on, it would take way more time than we've seen here for them to, you know, fight their way through the... Fallen White House or whatever the movie is, it's like, well, this isn't realistic at all, and it, it takes me out of it, it's because I'm spoiled by 24. And, uh, and I have to, like, actually remind myself, wait, no, this isn't 24, there was probably a little time jump there. This wasn't a minute later where he's on the other side of the White House, this, is, this was probably an hour later. Okay. There's no clock. I don't know. Why is there no clock? <laughs> and it's like, it, it, and I think 24 was pivotal for a lot of reasons. Uh, it, it came out in 2001. And I think for me, and I, hopefully for other people, it really showed that television could achieve movie-level quality yes, in absolutely. writing, conflict, acting, yeah. production value, cinematography. It brought a movie-level quality to a broadcast television like we'd never seen before. And now we're spoiled by that, because we're used to the Breaking Bads and the things like that, that, have, that elevate to that sort of a level. You know, like you could put a Breaking Bad on the level of like, I don't know, a traffic or something, in terms of uh, the movie, you know, uh, sort of cinematography, yeah. different style, but that level of quality. Uh, and grittiness and that sort of stuff, and so I think that uh, it really was a turning point in television that people kind of take for granted. Um you so know twenty four. You know, why people take it for granted is because HBO was doing that for
2: years. Yep. Yeah. Before Twenty Four came the Sopranos, out, Sopranos, Sex and the City, things and like that. Even even that, like even before that, they were having shows that like you go to the Emmys and like what the hell are these shows? I've never even heard of them. It's because they're on HBO and we're all too poor to afford it back then. <laughs> now I can afford it, and yeah. like there's uh, there's very few HBO shows that I watch that I are that that are on HBO that I don't like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. HBO is
0: definitely a key part of that as well. I think they're the other m- ingredient in that mixture because those two things coming together. It was like why can't I have Breaking Bad quality when I turn into CBS? Why exactly. can't I that sort of thing and then of course when Netflix comes along it's a whole other yeah. thing of like now we're going to do that but we're going to do it on a shoestring budget and you get House of Cards and the Marvel series that you know the pacing's a little slower yeah. but uh, they're doing it on a shoestring budget and there's still a production quality you know if you ignore the pacing it feels like a movie in terms of the quality well, of what you're watching.
3: And their budgets are getting much, much, much less shoestring. Like, they have a big uh, big production coming up with, like, Will Smith as one of the leads. So, and that's, like, oh, wow. that something like a $113 million budget that they have for the first season. Something well, you would heard. need but that for I, Will Smith because they yeah. wanted yeah, him yeah. for the second Independence Day,
0: and his asking know. price was the budget of the entire movie. So they killed him off in a training exercise that
3: happened between films. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, like, you have, I mean, and, and Netflix themselves, I mean, they're coming up the producers, the, the investors in their shows are not afraid. They're not held back by a lot of the standards that you know CBS and NBC and all those guys are held back by because they don't really have to worry about advertisers. They don't have to worry about being advertiser-friendly and whatnot. And so you have shows that are completely different and completely break the mold, and people are now going to expect that in, in CBS-like shows. Because so, I mean, CBS is not going to come up with a show like, Thirteen Reasons Why. They're not going to come up with a show like Stranger Things. They're not going to come up with all these shows that everyone is always talking about. Although CBS is launching, has launched
0: All Access, I believe. The flagship show, when they do the full launch, because it's like a soft launch right now, because they've already added all the other Star Trek things, Star Trek Discovery. The things that uh, the people working on that have been saying, I mean, they, you know, the original uh, showrunner has actually left, but uh, Nicholas Mayer is still, uh, I think he's writing one episode and he's serving as an executive producer consultant on the whole run. Some of the things they're saying is this is going to be Netflix edgy. They're going to be pushing boundaries. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different potential things that have been uh, uh, sort of pushed forward. Like they, the, the lead is a female lead, but apparently all of the stuff written about the character has been with male pronouns. So people are currently speculating, is it a transgender Person or multigender or something like that. Uh, and we're gonna be focusing on the first officer, not the captain. It's gonna be ten years before the original series, but well after Enterprise. So maybe that part's not super new because Enterprise was, you know, a prequel as well. But they're, they're doing a lot of things. They're saying it's going to be one big arc, over 13 episodes for the first season. It's a lot of things you expect on a Netflix-type thing, but with the CBS brand. And CBS is going to be launching the premiere episode on their broadcast television and then switching everything in the United States over to their all-access Netflix killer is what they hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be the yeah, poor, it'll be the poor cousin. <laughs> that's
3: adorable. But, I mean, their
0: investors would lose their minds yeah. if CBS didn't Netflix at least try. Uh, <laughs> but, they like, and, I mean, CBS and, and uh, you know, previous to that, uh, uh, Paramount, They've tried this and failed before. When UPN launched, Voyager was their flagship show. People tuned into that, and then they might have watched the odd Road to Nowhere or Nowhere Man, I think it was called, because the ads ran constantly during Voyager, and there was legend with John Delancey that I watched one whole episode as a look-in, and I was not impressed. Uh, and, and and that fell apart, and then eventually it all had to, you know, and, and now it's, uh, you know, it's merged with what used to be, uh, you know, the WB. And so we have the CW is what that has evolved into. Mm-hmm. But they've had to trash that business model and then scramble. I see CBS All Access probably going along similar oh, yeah. lines. Uh, you know, maybe they'll have it as a concurrent thing, but... To, to say, like, oh, we're going to tease you with the premiere. Now go buy this new service to see more episodes. People are probably going to torrent it before they do that, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that's only, that's only in the U.S. In Canada, it's going to all be on broadcast. In a lot of other countries around the world, it'll just be broadcast like normal. Uh, and so that's the other thing, too, is the availability is going to be inconsistent. And we're in a global marketplace with the Internet. Everything's accessible. So, you know, with an IP masker and all these different things... Uh, I mean, if you're gonna be technologically savvy enough to go get CBS Access, you're gonna be technologically serv- savvy enough to do these other things at a lower cost. So
3: and, and I don't I, know. As 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 interested and as excited as I am for uh, Discovery to come out, honestly, I don't. I mean. I'm gonna believe it when I see it when they're talking about it being like Netflix edgy and stuff like that. Like I. Well, the ship
0: looks like crap, so that doesn't help. But <sighs> apparently, they're redesigning. Yeah, I was really... they're, they're going back oh, yeah. a little bit to the drawing board because it was a it was a circle on a triangle with two sticks, and I was like, no, it, no, it, it looks isn't... like
2: a thirteen year old outsourced it to a, a bad kid or an eight year old who can't draw. Yeah,
3: yeah so he just
0: used pieces like, it, like shapes from a toy. So you know? yeah,
3: so for them to kind of say the show is gonna be like Netflix edgy, yeah, okay, we'll see. Uh, because, I mean, I know you're not really getting into a lot of the Netflix shows that everyone else is getting into, and I... Watch House of Cards and Marvel stuff. Yeah, exactly, and, but it's, it's like, they do things differently, and they're, they set the standard for a reason, and so for the people to compare themselves to Netflix-level shows... That's a huge comparison. I mean, I'm not like a like, fangirl for Netflix uh, or anything like that. I'm like Netflix is everything, but like really, I mean, <laughs> Netflix does set the bar in a lot of different ways for TV shows now. And for you to say, hey, I'm up at that level, like I mean, you got to make sure you bring it because if you don't, it's gonna blow up in your face and people are just gonna point and laugh.
0: Well, Netflix edgy was a phrase I just invented as oh, I was trying to explain. Okay. it. Really, okay. what they were trying to say is they were operating without the constraints. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't had standards and practices or any from one from the network come by and tell them anything. In fact, the network is apparently. Come by, ask them one set of questions about the content, and then said, Okay, cool, whatever you're doing. We were just curious. Uh, so they're, they're, not, they're not getting, like, they're not constrained. Um, and I think Star Trek, as part of its sense of self worth and its history, is pushing the envelope. Going back to the original series, but they haven't done that in a very long time. Uh, you know, oh, uh, you know, the Sulu character was gay in the last movie, and that generated shouldn't, shouldn't have even happened. And and, and, and I mean, shouldn't they treated happened. it, I think, well as a footnote in that sense. Yeah. And I agree with with uh, George K. that it shouldn't have happened. But yeah. um, like. I think they want to regain the mantle and I worry about that because if you're doing it because we need to be edgy and we want to be cutting edge, that's not good. The things that pushed the original series was, the, we see things that are wrong or that should be talked about or that are terrifying us right now. We need to talk about these things even though we're not allowed to. How can we find a way? And so if you're being driven by that with fewer constraints, that's fantastic. And in today's current climate and all the turnover that's happened and everything that's happening politically. I wonder what that would look like.
3: I don't know, if, if see the thing is, the fact that S hasn't been coming by and saying, hey, you guys need to kind of check yourself a little bit, that actually worries me more honestly, because it's like, are they are, are they being so safe that sentence or practice is even saying, no, you need to kind of check yourself? No, they're or? not sharing information. Oh, they're not even sharing, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 that's what
0: I said, like the network came by and they said, we're <laughs> curious about a couple of things, what you guys what are you guys up to? And they said, well, we're doing these things and these things and we might do that. And they're like, all right, whatever, we're just curious. That, that and that, that, and that was that me was as was well. It.
2: That worries me as well for different reasons, though. And the reason why is because I think back to the prequel trilogy for Star Wars mm-hmm. and how good those would have been if somebody had just told George Lucas no. <laughs> Most of the time, it was like, "No, George, that's a terrible idea. No, let's, let's, let's focus group this with focus, adults, not yeah. children. <laughs> and let, let's, let's go in this direction here. That's a much better idea, and we might have gotten three really good movies. I'm just not a fan of prequels." I mean, we had a prequel series already with Enterprise, Mm -hmm. and the thing is, how big can you raise the stakes? You know where it's going to end up. That's always been
0: my problem with prequels. And the you know uh, who lives and dies, or the Federation's not going to fall ten years before the original series, and then somehow get rebuilt magically in the following, you know, like nine years or something. So if they they threaten Earth, you know Earth's going to be okay. (laughs) Exactly,
2: you can't really threaten Earth, and then (laughs) although Zingdi, you know, I mean, they killed a few million people, so yeah, but we, you know, people, you you know, Earth is going to survive.
3: Yeah, because clearly they made it out.
2: Somehow. Um, And the other thing with with Sula being gay, uh, which I disagreed with, and the reason I disagree with that is because it's not canon whatsoever.
3: No.
2: Um, Eh? And in the original series, uh, he hit on Uhura a few times. Yes, he
0: did. Uh, even in the mirror universe, he'd you know her a few times. And, and in King, Star Trek V, was... they were following the Klingon lady around, commenting on her physique.
3: Yeah. And you know, so that's so,
0: overt. That's not as reading into things. That exactly. was that was scripted in that particular way. And how does the the Kelvin getting blown up change that? Are, it it does. You know, are you are that's you saying that because of political events, somebody? Chose to be different, or are you born that way. I want to get yeah. into that argument, but it seems exactly. start like Star Trek saying something there. That that
2: says they did choose to be gay, which we, I think we clearly know that that is, exactly. is not the right thing now. We may or may know, not be. I mean, maybe you know, is a socialization to... or what. I, uh, you know, and at, at the point, I, nature versus nurture. Who knows? I, I think I, I didn't. I thought it was a dumb idea to do. Yeah. Um, and so I also think
0: make. that uh, people making a big deal of it was dumb too. Yes. Uh, I don't think it should have been a big deal at all. It was like it five was... seconds of screen time, if even that long. We've already spent a hundred times time talking about it in this podcast oh, yeah. than they had, yeah. than it was on screen. The only reason you even have something to say about it is because I'm just a giant fanboy.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Of course. So. If this was just a, a movie I had watched and I didn't had to see another Star before, I wouldn't even care. Yeah. I wouldn't even say anything about it. that dude's gay. All right,
0: whatever. Oh, honestly, if they've done that to, that to, or, that or are you sure in. that that one's a girl? Like,
3: like, <laughs> if, they, if, they had, if
0: they had done that to Star Wars, like if in the next. I don't know, like let's say in uh, in The Last Jedi we find out that uh, Finn is actually a, a Skywalker's kid or something. You know, and it'd be like, Wow, genetically that's unusual, but I probably wouldn't care too much because I enjoy Star Wars, but I'm not invested. Like I haven't won trivia contests with run by professional companies like I have with Star Trek for Star Wars. So my my investment in accuracy is not not there. And so I'd be like, That's a weird choice. Okay, I'm gonna... Let's move on. No, I'm gonna check <laughs> you on that though, because when you yeah. we went
3: and saw Rogue it's... One, there's a couple times you're like, Nope. No, that was not right. That was and you. Were that's because like, that that
0: that <laughs> is. Well, we're getting back to the Tarkin thing, and that's because Peter Cushing is dead. That is a whole different thing. No, but you, you. I mean, I can't remember
3: the specifics. But you were like pointing out some your know, canon inaccuracies or canon like your like inconsistencies. You're like, no, that's not okay. And you're like, I'm just like, but you're not all that into Star Wars, so I don't understand why you're bothered by this. Can you give me for instance? I, well, no, I preface it with that saying I don't have specifics, but I. I <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I do. Maybe know, you could preface it with lists. <laughs> I really should. <laughs> <laughs> but I I remember us walking out of the theater and you're like, Well I mean you obviously yeah you're talking about the Peter Cushing thing, but there's other things where you're like, no, like that should because of dealing you know, with canon and you're like and you I mean you even yourself said like I'm not even a fanboy and that bothers me. Um and and so so, you know just, Fair enough. Just put that out. Movie like. log. <laughs> <laughs> Mo- moving on it to a I'm less just gonna adjust
0: myself to double bluff here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So moving on to a less controversial topic, uh the US travel ban oh, situation. Yes. Uh, We don't want to talk about politics very much because, you know, a variety of reasons. Maybe one day we'll launch a separate program. I was actually trolling the internet uh, uh, on April Fool's about, oh, I was starting the Canadian Resistance show, like I was doing the Keith Olbermann thing. Uh, But unlike when I did it for this podcast, people aren't forcing me by twisting my arm into actually doing it. So that was an April Fool's joke. It's not happening, even though I did script a a pretend commercial that I might make for fun one day. (laughs) But um, because this impacts travel so seriously, we, I think, need to address it. Mm -hmm. Where there's the first two runs that was taken at the travel ban, uh, you know, with the seven and then six countries. And now the electronics ban from ten airports uh, that you can't take anything larger than a cell phone into the cabin from ten airports Mm -hmm. if it's a direct flight to the United States. And, oh, little detail, no American company operates direct flights from those airports. So... Why those 10, was it, like, I've heard conspiracy theories saying that it was trying to basically ruin a competitive advantage from the airports that do run those direct flights, because apparently a lot of those are subsidized by their uh, carrier nation, like, you know, their home, their home port, whatever you would call it, Um, but... They just announced the other day that uh, one of those major airlines is rolling back the frequency of their flights instead of three or two times United, a day. No. Uh, Emirates. Emirates. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they're, they're yeah. rolling it back. So it's having a chilling effect on travel. Yeah. And, I mean, anything like this, the uncertainty, that first travel ban, you were in the air, you were legal, you had done everything right to, to be cleared when you landed. A piece of paper was signed while you were in the air, you landed and you were suddenly illegal. How does that not terrify people and say, you know what, maybe I'm going to take a road trip across Canada and I'm not going to go fly to Texas today because what's going to happen when I'm in the air, when I have no communication, if I'm not paying extra for the Wi-Fi, and even then the luck of me stumbling across this Mm -hmm. rule change, the level of uncertainty that it's introducing, I mean, you know, politically, whatever you think is going on, but I'm worried our message at Vacation Impossible is travel more, take more risks when you travel, try new things, you know, save money and have fun doing it. but. I feel like there's pushback right now against our message of people should travel more, and I, I yeah, I mean, I made a joke on our our, our Tumblr page is that you know we, uh, Vacation Impossible is issuing a travel advisory against the United States, uh, and I didn't say anything more than that because I didn't want to stir the pot. But uh, I just, just for I, the next forty-eight years. Yes, I yeah I don't know months
3: months months. Month. <laughs>
0: But we're we're and that is part of why we're f- refocusing on Canada and coming to Victoria more and things yeah. like that because there are lovely things to do mm-hmm. outside there that we have neglected for far too long that are wonderful. Yeah. Um, There's a few hundred countries outside the U.S. that you can go to. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Tons of them are fun. The problem is all the cruise ships that go there leave from American ports. (laughs) (laughs) And you might notice the two trips that we booked for this year both leave out of Vancouver. And so our concerns are flights coming home. We're actually taking a train back from the trip next week to Alaska. uh, But we'll be flying home from Hawaii. And watching some of the stuff that's been going on with United and American Airlines recently and that sort of stuff, Air Air Canada Canada, with the booked, uh, the the bumped flights and the physical violent removal of paying customers who do nothing wrong but sit in their seat having done everything right up until that point except refused uh, to kind of be taken advantage of. Because it's their right. They are a paying customer.
3: Well, I mean, I suppose one can argue that technically it isn't their right because the contract they signed. Well, whatever. Shut up. <laughs> like, like it's just, like, like yeah. It's... If you're
2: in the seat, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boarded
3: and you've paid
2: your you've paid your fare, you are legally right to be there. Yeah. One that's common sense. And that's the
1: reasonable. They person. also exactly. offer a volunteer.
3: Well, that's the thing. They should have just offered, like, I mean, let's they just dive into this. With they, yeah. with 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 David, uh, David Dow? David or Dow. They should have offered more money to everyone. Yeah. And it's Until like, they and, get And just, get, yeah. get, just keep on offering money, keep on offering money, keep on offering money, keep on offering money. Um, And it's stupid that they were like, does anyone want $400? No. Okay, is anyone going to take it at $800? Nope. Okay, well, we're done. We've clearly tried everything. Let's just start booting people off. It's like, what? Are you no. kidding me? It
0: was no. to the letter of their contract. And so, yeah, there's, yeah, in the ticket agreement somewhere in the super fine print that you probably can't even see, there was something about allowing them to do what they did, and so they had a legal right, yeah. in theory, use of force by the by the, uh, the the officers is a separate question. But ultimately, from a customer standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a common sense and a traveler standpoint, they used a, a tiny little bit of fine print to exert violence upon somebody yeah. for their advantage. Here's, here's one thing I, solve their I don't understand.
2: And maybe you guys can explain it to me like I'm a four year old. Why try. are airplanes overbooked? This okay. is an interesting. They're not overbooked. They're oversold. Oversold. Sorry,
1: oversold. what's,
3: what's they the they difference oversold?
0: between those two?
3: Because uh, because WestJet <laughs> makes a distinction between that. They're like we don't overbook flights, but yeah. we do sometimes oversell. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. well, what's the? How is uh, that any different?
0: I can clarify that they okay. don't they don't oversell. What they do is. WestJet says the only time someone will be bumped is if there's a mechanical problem with the aircraft and it has to be substituted out with a smaller aircraft because that's the biggest that's available. That is the only time they ever bump people. They've been very clear. And that's been fact checked by the CBC and other organizations. So uh, that's that's WestJet. And that's why I'm uh, currently willing to pay more for WestJet because of that level of comfort. Why do airlines overbook and so, per- so themselves? So
3: they look at it as if it's a perishable a ticket. An airline seat is a perishable item. Once you once, and that's how. And then they've, they've I've, I've watched read articles where execs say that they're like a, an airline seat is a perishable item. Once it, the plane plane takes off, that's it. We can't make that money back. Um, and like so they want oil, to make but, sure.
2: But here's the thing:
3: if you bought your ticket. You've already made the money. It, yeah. Exactly.
0: It's an opportunity it's to make money again, a second well, time and, and, on
3: and the same yeah, seat. Because exactly. they're like they're like, oh yeah, exactly. And they're like, oh, well, we you well, know want to make sure we make a we fill every flight and la la But it's like, but you have all these people that are standing there on standby. So even if yeah. people to do no show, you're still gonna have standby passengers. So you're yeah. still gonna double up on that one particular seat or those six particular seats, or however many freaking seats you need. Um and it's just it's absolutely ridiculous, and it should be made that there ought to be a law. Yes. Um and, and it hopefully there actually will be a law. It looks like people in Canada are starting to look into it, especially yep. because that. Tw- that that Mike Garnot, the that transportation minister is yeah. looking into it. Yeah, I mean when they when they when they bump that when when Air Canada bump that ten year old, I'm like, I am Done. For like I am so oh, no no that was United no here well, in Canada yeah, they yeah. bumped a ten year old kid got was bumped This flight in because they Winnipeg. overbooked Wasn't it no, no, no no it was in, it was in Nova Scotia Nova or, or, Scotia. or back, it was in the, oh, it, the, the, the yeah. Atlantic provinces and a family of four that was or a family of five or something like that that was going to Costa Rica they had to go from like Charlottetown to Fredericton or something like that um, when they showed up they're like no your 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 flight's been over-. or they went they went to go check in online they couldn't check in Their ten year old and when they phoned in the customer service was like too bad so sad this flight is over so overbooked. And like try going into Fredericton, and see if you can get a flight from there, because they have to go to they have to go to Montreal and then connect to, to go down to Costa Rica or whatever, right? And, wow. and so it, just, it just seems like corporate greed. It is. That's, that's all it is. It is it. Because they, Let's say let's say that they
2: just sold, you know, one person for each seat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Which makes common sense, I yeah. think. Yeah. Common sense. And let's say twenty people don't show up.
3: I think there's like fifty right? percent well, is no then show. Let,
2: let's say five people are on standby, so you have fifteen uh, seats that have been paid for. And now you're using less fuel because there's less weight on the plane. Yeah. And here's the other thing.
0: There's I, a... I, don't, I don't see. I don't see where the negative is. And there's another approach they could take that still could drive it as a as a way of making a, you know getting two tickets on that on that one seat make standby more appealing. Make it more. Just raise awareness of standby. Yeah. I am, I consider people, myself a bit of a travel. Standby? I honestly I don't know the details. I've never done it. Uh, well, and yeah, it's well, you. You I've have to. You have to have someone ahead. tell you, or you have to go search it out. There's no advertising about standby. They, maybe they worry about diluting their brand or ticket prices. But honestly, if they made it more appealing through an awareness piece or through. I don't know, uh, just making it more cost effective or whatever. Uh, more people might be willing to do that and that's how you should a- rightly, ethically fill those seats for people who don't show up. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, hey, Vacation Impossible, we're about issuing challenges and doing crazy travel things. Would I take a week and go sit on standby and see where in the world I end up? That sounds like an
3: amazing adventure. That sounds like
0: a lot of fun. They, if, they, if they were to sponsor us, eh? If they were to sponsor us to do something like that to raise awareness that standby can be awesome and then, they're, That'll be a whole other new ticket sort of avenue of revenue. Then those standby people can fill the the ten percent shrinkage that you often get on airplanes by people not showing up, and you don't have to beat anybody up along the way. And I mean, you're responsible to
3: your shareholders I mean, by making but, profit. The corporate greed cost them a billion dollars. Like think about that for a minute. Like it's in share of, value, in share value, it cost me. Yeah, okay, we still don't know the impact the on ticket value. sales. Could be worse. Could yeah, be less. exactly. And it's just What's like good, it's good. and it, and it's and it's and it's interesting. It's crazy how how. Like particularly companies like Air Canada and and and, and um, American Airlines and less so American Airlines and United, they put policy over customer service. Any any chance they have to be forced to put policy over customer service, they will take the policy. Always and forever. WestJet, they screw up every now and then, but for them, it's just like, there was a recent story a couple they days ago. They make it right. They couple, like, a couple days ago, there was a story that was in the news where um, this person, this uh, roommate, woman and her roommate were going on a trip, and so they f- had their, she had her dog flown to uh, Fredericton so her parents can uh, dog sit while they, she's gone on vacation. WestJet um, put the dog on the wrong damn flight. Yeah. Human error it, Yeah, human error. And yeah. sent him to Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. So yeah. this dog was supposed to go to Fredericton, uh, Newfoundland yeah.
0: and now it's got a fly standby to <laughs> that, that yeah. dog
3: has more mouths than me this year <laughs> and, 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 and then the further unfortunate thing is when the dog got there um, he slipped out he slipped off his leash when they went to go take a take a leak um, and then he went missing right as yeah. soon as but right away Westjet phoned the owner and said hey we messed up we're so sorry we're flying you to Hamilton we're going to pay for your meals we're going to pay for your hotel until you find your dog fortunately the dog was found relatively quickly yeah. within like Within twelve hours or something like that, but the fact that Westjet was didn't like they couldn't apologize enough. And obviously the lady's like whatever. What's an apology going to do my dogs missing? Because she was still in the heat of the moment. Her you know because she's emotionally behind. hijacked. Yeah, and she's lost all this money for flight, flight and, and all that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> and, but, the thing is, like, but the thing is, like I mean, Westjet went went way above and beyond because they put customer service, they put making things right above. Oh, how much money we lose? How can we like? And it's and it's and it's clear with them from when they do that sort of stuff. It's not a PR move. It's yeah. we need to who so they this. are. And, and and I think it's to also because I mean from what I understand with with the employees at WestJet, uh, they're a little bit like a credit union that that yes. employees are shareholders too, yes. and mm-hmm. so it's in their financial best. The, in each employee in their financial best interest to make sure that WestJet stays solvent all the damn time. Um, and so beyond just losing your job, beyond just losing your job exactly. Um, so and the so they they on. have they have more of an Investment emotionally and financially and all and personally all sort of stuff and fixing things and so they take that approach of this is my business that I that you know just got punched in the eye how am I going to fix that right? They're a team.
0: It unifies them that way and
3: and it's important. It it, it harmonizes and focuses
0: their 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 goal and and you know you have mission statements and stuff. Some people are aligned with that. Some people feel it. Some people don't. They have skin in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know I. uh,
2: There's a lot of people who work at United. I'm sure are really good people. But oh, yeah, sure. But I hope that United goes down, yeah. and I hope that becomes a huge cautionary tale yes. for the rest of the industry and snaps everybody to attention. Like, pe- people won't travel on you if you're a dick. Yeah. yeah. You know. If, Follow you, put the well them, we if rule. you put them,
0: don't be a dick. If, yeah. <laughs> if safety is our first concern. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, are these guys? Are sure about really? That? Yeah. Says so like, the guy with no teeth, right? <laughs> yeah. This is so, the guy
3: who needs reconstructive surgery. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what, the way I see it is I think that there might be a merger or a, a takeover and acquisition, hostile or otherwise that will make United no longer a brand and yeah, yeah. hopefully those people won't lose their jobs but uh, a more ethical company will take them over. Uh, WestJet recently announced that they were going to be uh, operating, pretend- if they get approval fi- from the pilots union and the regulatory authorities, a new super ultra low cost yes. uh, airline, I think a lot like Ryan Air is in Europe and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm a little leery, I, th- I don't know. Can, I think Can I think- that survive in this market? In this market, I think, I think it can, but if you want the WestJet Spirit there, I wonder about it. Because yeah. if you're all about making it right, I don't yeah. know if it works in the super ultra-low cost. I hope uh, it, it does. You know, it and depends it would on how far you can
2: get, because right now, going from, say, here to uh, Winnipeg, it isn't that much. Going any further than Toronto, yeah. and the price doubles or triples. Yeah, yeah. It's cheaper to fly uh, to it's, Europe. Uh, it's cheaper to fly to Europe. Yeah, I can fly to Halifax, return for, what, $1,500. Oh, shut Europe. up, are you serious? Or... Less I, than could I could fly to
0: London for $700 you a drive. could yeah. You could fly that to is. Florida and then take a cruise up to Halifax for probably less than that. Absolutely. But then you, you have, have to go, go to
2: Florida, and that's in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah I exactly. To and the yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Exactly. There. and who I could fly to Greece and take a cruise from there through the Med to Halifax. The horizon when she's ready, perhaps.
1: A prime example of
3: those
2: prices you're talking about, I
1: compared a flight from Toronto to Vancouver. It was just over 900. That's
3: insane. I, I flew.
1: It. I wanted to fly from Toronto to Miami. It was three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, I believe it. I mean,
0: returned. part of it is part of it is Canadian model of there's less competition and higher taxation regulations. In yeah.
3: economy scale, but that makes sense.
0: Of economies scale, there we also have one tenth the population of the U.S. and so it's a smaller market. But what if? And this was the thing I was thinking of with United. What if United becomes on the brink of insolvency? They're available at a low cost price. You just had Virgin merge with. I the got other fifty one. bucks. I'll buy it. No, <laughs> yeah, no problem. No. What if WestJet acquires them? What if <laughs> no, no, the complete happen. other no. side? And then rebrand. I mean I th- if you wanted to just springboard yourself into a much larger market and take a good business model, I know it's not likely, but that would be my dream, is to see WestJet become a giant carrier like that, with yeah. their but keep their integrity and their and their focus, their service intact, and that could revolutionize the whole industry. I think it absolutely raise everybody
2: up to I, I think in America a company will buy them before yeah, yeah like
3: exactly. buy
0: it.
2: That's true.
3: I, I think I think bare minimum, bare, bare, bare minimum, Moon News needs to step down. He, I mean, it looks like he's apparently he's supposed to get a chairman title uh, as of twenty eighteen. It looks like he's no longer going to be retaining that chairman title. Um, I don't see. I mean, I don't know. Enough oh, they reaccommodated but, him into a different. Situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, but he kept all his teeth. Like you know, a, a friend of so uh, you know a friend of ours <laughs> is being a little bit more more um, more conciliatory and is saying, you know, you know, you've always treated me with respect. You know, this is a you know black eye situation. No pun intended. Um, he didn't use those exact words, but he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop flying with you guys because of this one, because of an isolated incident. Um, I disagree that it's an isolated incident, um, but it's uh, I, I I think there's a pattern there, particularly with United. Um, and, and how the CEO and came and, out and, 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 and
0: said it was an unruly it, customer before he had all the facts, or maybe with all the facts, but, yeah, he, exactly, but his initial thing was, no. And, that speaks to me as a corporate structure that won't support you when things go wrong. Exactly. Like, with Hilton, it goes wrong, they make it right. Yeah. So, so you're okay with it being a one-off.
3: And then So, so you know, I say saying to him, okay, you know, you're totally entitled to your opinion, and that's, that's great that you've never had a negative experience. For me, I have had a negative experience flying with United. Um, I won't fly with United um, mm-hmm. until I mean, there needs to be lasting... Um, there well, needs to be a major, major, major... Structural organizational change. It needs to be lasting. It needs to be measurable, um, and and it needs to it, concrete. It needs to be absolutely concrete, and it needs to start with Monia stepping down because clear. Because uh, I mean, it's 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 clear. It's starting from the top, where just the whole rest of the, the structural organization is just rotting to the core. Speaking of which, I'm flying with United in two weeks, so we'll, we'll get a chance yeah, to talk we'll to you uh, after uh, that, yeah. and so you it, make it
0: through. Well,
2: here's mm-hmm. here's the thing. Uh, I was going to go on that flight. Um, You know, we're going to Vegas. Mm -hmm. So I was going to get on the flight, have a few drinks. There's no way I was going to go into Vegas sober, right? (laughs) A little bit of buzz. Now, because we bundled our tickets up to first class, um, which gives us access to the lounge in the airport. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be buzzed getting on the flight. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Then drunk on the flight. There's no way they're kicking me (laughs) off. This is the John
0: Memorial Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much,
3: John. So if you take a look at John
0: right now, he has teeth. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Most of let's there, let's yeah. document these
0: things. You've yeah, rich, yeah. full voice. He's healthy, hearty. But um, maybe shifting this to a slightly more positive note, thinking about Canadian alternative destinations, uh, what are some of your favorite places
3: to go in Canada that you might recommend to people? I really like Banff. Wow. I think Banff and like Canmore that area. Yeah. It's, it's it's kind of it's Canmore in particular. I think it's kind of like the road less traveled. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone does Banff and all that sort of stuff, but I think Canmore has as much to offer um, at much 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 better prices. Um, I really would love to check out Christina Lake and Lake Louise. I think those two places. Lake are really Louise soft. is lovely. I've so been like to that Lake place, Louise. It is absolutely, I would absolutely beautiful. Love to check those. Recommend I, it. Yeah. I I miss I miss I. I want more than anything uh, with my mom and my sister. It's like a goal, lifelong dream of mine is to go to the Manitoulin Islands. Um, my f- full name is Mindemoya, um, and there's in the in Ontario, there's man, in the Manitoulin Islands, there's a lake inside an island inside the lake uh, called Mindamoya. Um, and um there's a special
2: term for that. Rus- Russian you? nesting doll? No. No no no. No, like a lake inside a landmass inside a lake. Yeah. There's like a special one yeah. for that lake and I can't remember what it is.
3: And, archipelago. But but I want to I, um I want well the Manitoulin Islands is an archipelago because it is Oh as well. Oh, okay. It's it well. can yeah. be a lot of things. Yeah. Um and so and the um and the only way to get to the Manitoulin Islands is to take a ferry from a town that sounds almost exactly like my sister's full name, which I'm not going to say. Because um, and, and it's a race. No, because she's <laughs> not um, here. Because she's not here, and there's the privacy and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, but And so I think it would be really, really neat to kind of to, to go to to that place um, um, the the idea was that uh, when I graduated from high school my mom was going to take me but I wanted up dropping out of high school so that obviously didn't happen um, but I think it'd be really nice to kind of uh, that's kind of a bucket list item for me I've never been but I, it's been a long time since I've been back to Ontario so I kind of miss it there I want to go to Newfoundland oh my god I want to go to Newfoundland yeah. so bad oh, yeah, I would okay, love to... to go there
0: Speaking of privacy, fun fact about the Vacation Impossible team, all of our last names are Smith. It's such an amazing coincidence. It is. Part of yeah. how we get along so well. Is, yeah. We could be called the Smiths, but I think that was a band. Um, for me, my favorite uh, destinations in Canada is, I haven't traveled that much. I've done, you know, uh, Edmonton and Calgary is a nice little uh, road trip loop uh, from Vancouver uh, with John and, and maybe at uh, different times, and that is a lovely drive. Uh, I, I enjoy Edmonton quite a bit, I like West Edmonton Mall. Um, and uh, I just I love the city of Edmonton it's surprisingly green and uh, and just mm-hmm. very very lovely I am quite walkable in some areas and so I enjoy Edmonton uh, Calgary is not so much my town um, for a variety of reasons I'm not a cowboy um, and oh, then I love you cowboy.
3: I've
0: also I've also been to Toronto and so Toronto has it used to be called Paramount Canada's Wonderland, which I guess it's just Wonderland now? It's or not. Canada. World? Canada's it's called Canada's, Canada's Wonderland. Wonderland though, yeah. uh, they've got some amazing things there. Yeah. I mean, that is that is Six Flags level goodness. Yeah. Uh, better than Six Flags if you've seen our videos yeah. of Six Flags where Sam and I got kicked off some rides. Um, but I think I think Toronto's lovely. You know, there's, there's, um, you know, there's it's it's a it's a dense major city that has a lot of different attractions. CN Tower, uh, you know, it's a dated reference but going to the Much Music Building I used to enjoy mm-hmm. quite a bit and stuff like that. So, um, but, so I'd say Edmonton, Toronto are probably two places that I really enjoy, but I want to bolster my Canadian travel resume okay. uh, more, Fair and awesome. this is a good climate potentially to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, favorite Canadian destination? Ooh. Okay. There's,
3: You've been there's, there a lot more than we there's have. There's a
0: few. I've been, I've been quite a few places.
2: Toronto, uh, I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, it's just a bigger, smellier city, um, and I've been there, and it was just kind of okay. Uh, I'm from Halifax. And uh, I would never live in Halifax, uh, especially as, he, as anybody below the age of 45 to 50. <laughs> um, but I would definitely visit there for I'd like to. Uh, a few days or maybe a week at a time. Because uh, it's a really fun city for like a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, the whole area around there, the Annapolis Valley, um, going up to, the, um, um, up to where the Confederation Bridge is. And all that area is, is beautiful and it's a great drive. Um, PEI is also uh, mm. quite nice uh, I've always wanted to go to St. John's yeah. uh, Newfoundland I've never been and I really want to. that's one place I want to go yeah. uh, Montreal super fun city um, you fun know really? in in there for mm-hmm. in there for a few weekends uh, I think maybe it's spending a week there would be good and the other place I haven't been to i always wanted to go see is Quebec city. Mm.
3: Uh,
2: Yeah. the city of Quebec the whole walled city old yeah. mm, historical yeah, thing I, I like history and I like seeing historical sites and stuff like that and that's just something that it you know, if I'm in Montreal, I'm going to drive up to Quebec City, have a peek around, then do whatever. Um, but yeah, I'd say start with Halifax, work your way west, and then north.
3: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to do that. Though. Yeah, there's there's so many places in, in Canada that I... So many bucket list places yeah. that I'd love to... I mean, I've actually never done Canada's one one so it'd be really cool to do that. Yeah. I've, um, You'd like it. I've, 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 I think I went to Montreal once when I was like... Four two, three, so I don't really have, I have fake memories at best. I do have some some solid memories of going to the Royal Ontario Museum uh, when I still lived there because I'm actually from Ontario originally. Um, and But again, I was like, I think that was like one of my earliest form memories. Uh, but I really enjoyed it and, and I, I had, a, had a lot of fun. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be nice to kind of, yeah, tour our own country again because like, it's, it's, I mean, I've driven throughout Canada a couple times now, um, but um, I've, I've just, I've never really left the vehicle. Um, I used to, when I was younger, I used to, uh, when I was a teenager, I'd, I'd drive to Saskatchewan every year for this youth conference thing in the dead middle of winter. And we'd end up in this place called Briar Crest, Saskatchewan. And it was ridiculously cold. I mean, the Canadian winter stereotype lives full force there. Mm. Um, uh, but it'd be, it'd be nice to, to yeah, check out like the, the, uh, the maritime and Atlantic provinces. And, uh, and yeah, obviously like all sorts of, um, places in Quebec. Uh, I'd like to um, uh, um, sail down the Saint Lawrence. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. One thing I want
0: to add to my Toronto thing is also I'm including Niagara Falls in that and yeah. Niagara on the lake. Yeah. If you can get it, I stayed in a colonial mansion that was being refurbished when I was there in 2000. 2002 uh, and so that was kind of cool but just Niagara on the lake is such a lovely area and Niagara Falls is obviously fantastic don't go to Toronto during spring break because nope. it's not spring it's frozen <laughs> I went when I was uh, a teenager expecting spring and I found the frozen uh, uh, Niagara Falls to be lovely but uh, not a whole lot to do yeah. when it's frozen uh, Mike favorite Canadian travel destination uh, well it's definitely not Toronto I, I, I just moved
1: from Toronto I've, I've lived in Toronto I'm um, 37, I'm 30, well, I, I was here, longer. no, it was, yeah, well, I, I lived in Vancouver for four years, so, 75, 75, 33, so I'd say about 30, I, let's put it at 30 years I've lived in Toronto. Yeah. No, no, I. It, it is, it is a concrete, dense, smog city. It's a beautiful city, there's a lot of things to do, but. <laughs> you wouldn't want to breathe there. Yeah, I, I kind of want to <laughs> breathe. There's like four um, days of non-smog days yeah, in Toronto. And, and there's, it is. Traffic jams everywhere. There's traffic everywhere. It's it. They say rush hours between six a.m. and nine a.m. No, it's not. It's between six a.m. and nine p.m. <laughs> constantly, all over. <sighs> uh, have you been on the Don Valley parking lot? Yeah, that that, that would be the Don Valley Park uh, Don the Valley Don Valley Parkway. Parkway? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's literally a parking lot all the time.
3: Well, and the four hundred five is so deadly.
1: I mean the 401. Sorry, the 401. The 401 yeah. 401 is deadly. There's numerous accidents.
2: Uh,
3: yeah. So come yeah. visit Canada yeah. today. Yeah. Please. No. <laughs> uh,
1: you'll be surprised to know that I lived in Toronto for over like 30 years, and I have not once been to Montreal.
3: Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I that is one of my regrets. I could have easily done. I, I've been to Ottawa. I've driven all around Ottawa. That, that was like a five-hour drive. Mm-hmm. I could have easily gone to Montreal. Never did. Uh, so my honestly my favorite canadian city would have to be vancouver um because of its calmness i uh, it, it's not as dense the, the the traffic is not as crazy as it is in toronto and the mountains mm. you walk outside and you're staring at mountains you know we're in toronto you walk outside and you're seeing the next homeless person or you're seeing a concrete wall mm. with graffiti you know, or, or, you're, or you're seeing smog, or you're seeing a fire, or you're seeing a car accident, you have to jump out of the way. It, it, I'm not saying Toronto's bad, don't go there. Definitely go there, check it out, CN Tower, Rogers Centre, or Skydome, uh, Air Canada Centre for when you wanna get your hockey fix. <laughs> uh, Ripley's, believe it or not, definitely check that out. Niagara Falls. Uh, the CN Tower now has a, uh, uh, a tour where you can actually hang off the side of the tower. You can go up to the top and they We were looking strap at it earlier today. It looks yeah, it's, cool. It's, it's yeah, it, it is really the, cool. The it is expensive. One. Don't don't be surprised when you find out you got to pay like 150 bucks for like half an hour. Yeah. Um but they strap you in, you have you have a harness. I haven't done it yet. I really really want to. So maybe my next trip back to visit friends and family in Toronto, I might just do
3: that. What's the strongest Kind of depends.
1: You can get uh, yeah. <laughs> a garbage
3: bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 An, the, gla- the Glad <laughs> yeah. brand. Yeah, because like, yeah. yeah, I'd I'd be down for trying that. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah. I would, brown I would need brown yeah, <laughs> pants, yeah.
1: of course they only do that during the summer months. They're not gonna do it in dead of winter when you're no. or high winds. One would imagine. Or high winds, they'll not do fun. it then. Yeah, but yeah, I I would say Vancouver. Uh, any well. Let me rephrase that. Anywhere in BC, mm-hmm. I, I've been. I've been to Alberta. I've been to Edmonton. Been to West Edmonton Mall. Been to Lake Louise. Beautiful. I've been to the ice fields, or the ice. Uh, what do you call them? Oh, I, the ice or whatever. The, yeah, we we got on like a on like a bus that the you know the wheels are like three stories high and uh, I think it's the ice field. I think it's called the ice fields. It was it was many years ago that I did it, but it was mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, check out Alberta. Um, but if you want to come to Vancouver, if you haven't been to Vancouver yet, definitely check it out. There's so many things to do, so many things to see. And check out Toronto too. And get your own feel and vibe for the city.
0: So speaking of travel, um, John, living on Vancouver Island, you take the ferry quite a bit. Uh, do you have any ferry pro, trips, uh, pro tips, especially now that we <laughs> want to come out here and you know hang out on Vancouver Island more often? We could be taking the ferry quite a bit more. Yep. Uh, how, what, what are your tips for doing that as smartly as you can?
2: So I've taken the ferries a lot. Um, so being on the ferry and checking out all their amenities and stuff like that uh, has really kind of grown tiresome.
3: <laughs> for
1: me
2: now so when i go on the ferry i drive on uh if i'm hungry i'll go up and get something to eat and i'll bring it back down to the car otherwise i bring a surface with some entertainment on it and i sit in the car i got the um hook up so that i can put it on the stereo in the car oh, okay. mm-hmm. and i just hang out in the car i relax maybe i have a nap <laughs> uh, and i just watch a, a show or something like that 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 bides the time until i get to the other side um that and there's, uh, there's, some usually it's it's a lot of people. There's a lot of mm-hmm. people up there. Yeah. Um. And I hate I hate other people. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to be around a whole bunch of other people. So, <laughs> um, I'm really happy just hanging out in the car and, and doing my own thing. And they don't have any rules on that. Like you, you are allowed to stay in your car. They don't. They yeah. Don't, they were talking about uh, banning. Yeah, they were they, they, they it, were they were not they were thinking about um, making legislation to not have anybody in the lower car deck while the ship is in motion, okay. uh, but I think that gained, like, no traction whatsoever, because yeah. everybody's like, get the hell out of here, my car, I do what I want, yeah. um, so well, I, far, like, I haven't heard anything else from them. they said it's for
0: safety. Is it, like, the hardest place to evacuate from, because other than that, I can't... It's, it's three feet over, above water level, Cause or it's maybe maybe five level. feet above water level. I could understand if they were concerned about people in their cars unable to hear emergency announcements. And that they might have to send someone, like, car to car if they had to evacuate to get people off. But if it's only certain decks, that that reasoning falls apart. Yeah, yeah. it's
2: it's the one deck, and you can hear it because they blare those things they do. Yeah. Yeah. on the car deck yeah. so loud. Yeah. yeah. You can't help but hear it. Even watching a show through my car stereo, I can still hear the announcements. Yeah. I and mean, you've probably, probably memorized them by this point. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: Our, our people are Transport Canada safety certified to deal with emergency situations. <laughs> Okay, well, um, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening and watching. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, check us out. We are all over social media. Uh, you can find us as Vacation Impossible pretty much everywhere—Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram, Flickr, you name it, Tumblr. We're probably there. Uh, the only exception is Twitter. We are <coughs> Vacay Impossible because of the uh, character limit on the username, so it's Vacay Impossible on Twitter. Uh, so, anyways, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, uh, whether it's uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, whatever. And uh, you know, if you liked it, uh, feel free to uh, give it a review in those uh platforms and if you didn't like it then maybe don't do that (laughs) uh anyways uh thanks so much for listening thank you